film fans. This is the last week of August before our Labor Day weekend, but as the days all blur together, we have a special guest today. Hi, Jim. Howdy, folks. How you doing? It's Jim Batts. I promise to fix the audio in just a second. We'll talk about the passing of Chadwick Boseman in just a second. And then the personal story of David Copperfield at minute 14, the new mutants at minute 25, the Phineas and Ferb movie Candace Against the Universe around minute 36, Fatima around minute 41, Desert One around minute 53, new releases at one hour and four minutes, and then The Prey and Diary around one hour and seven minutes, Unfit, The Psychology of Donald Trump, around 1 hour and 12 minutes. The One and Only Ivan at 1 hour and 15 minutes. Get Duked at 1 hour and 20 minutes. Rising Phoenix at 1 hour and 23 minutes. And What's Coming Up at 1 hour and 26 minutes. Dang, that's a long show today. I'm trying to fix the audio. We are mourning the tragic and sudden loss of Chadwick Boseman. Well, not sudden for his family because he's had, he had stage 3 colon cancer for four, all the movies that we know and love him, he's had colon cancer yes. the whole time. I mean, he's been working. I was going to say, so this probably happened, or he probably got the diagnosis while he was making Civil War. Because 2016, yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, because Civil War came out in 16, I believe, right? So it came as such a shock to everybody last night when the news hit uh, the Everywhere. airwaves and the social media. And because nobody except probably his, like you said, his family and close friends knew that it had progressed to stage four. Well, he had did, I don't know if people knew he had stage three. No, no, no he no kept idea. it very, he kept it very quiet. And stage four was recent. Right, yeah, because yeah. stage four is when it spreads. Right. And obviously. It's, it's horrible. Because he did have surgeries and he did have chemo. And I was surprised. How many movies I had seen him in? I counted today off the top of my head. I've seen him in six films. Yeah, yeah, including you know stuff like uh, what is it? Uh, the Draft Day. That was probably Draft, the first yes, feature with Kevin Costner. Him in and with Kevin yes. Costner, and he's in Gods of Egypt, which is god awful. God awful. That, <laughs> that would be the one he started as a writer and a director. So he has got a play. Yeah, he went to. He went. Did he go to Howard University? He went to Howard. To uh, and he Felicia Rashad was his. His teacher for really? theater, and he, she convinced Denzel Washington to pay for him to go to some <laughs> fellowship. I want to say in England. I'm not 100% sure about that. I saw that. that and Denzel Washington was like his uh, mentor <laughs> and sponsor. Because when Denzel got the AFI award, they talked about that. Well, I saw that uh, Angela, uh, oh, no, uh, Angela Bassett mm-hmm. posted that, uh, that she, I guess, uh, did a tour of, of Brown and... and he was her escort at the tour. Wow. So that's just an incredible full circle kind of thing. That's funny. And and, uh, yeah. and he was doing and he was doing all this press for the Marvel movies when he was ill because well with the, with the Black Panther character much like Iron Man I remember uh, Robert Downey Jr. being quoted that uh, once that uh, visor goes down I'm in my trailer and the Black Panther being a, a full head mask and all that. You could get a stunt guy or some CGI, you know, uh, you know kind of uh, kind of deal going, so I wouldn't have to do the uh, some of the grueling stuff, but still doing doing you know all the press and you know the, his his part in the last two Avengers movies is just just unbelievable. He was able to do that, and, and I saw photos on Facebook of him visiting kids in the hospital, yeah. which just just tore me up to say you know he he just. The the, the 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 guys that are playing superheroes now aren't. Uh, it seems like it was 
felt it was uh, sort of uh, slumming in you know in the past to play a, a comic book character, and now they're really embracing it and going out of the way to to, to go see kids and you know that are sick and all that. It's just wonderful. Oh yeah, Chris Evans did that that mm-hmm. little boy that was so disfigured from the dog attack yeah. that would just broke your heart. But uh, all right, let me press this button. All right, so Chadwick Boseman for his short career made quite an impact, and he was he played some iconic roles. Yeah. Now I yeah. first saw him in The Express, where he played Floyd Little. Now he wasn't the lead because the lead was Rob Brown, who played Ernie Davis the first African-American to win the Heisman Trophy, and he sadly died of leukemia less than a year after he got drafted Mm -hmm. in the NFL. So Floyd Little was a three-time All-American, and that was the first time I noticed Chad. uh, People call him Chad. Chadwick Mm -hmm. Boseman. But he did a lot of TV before. Yeah, Yeah, I saw that. He was on a soap opera for a time, wasn't he? Well, he was on ER, Cold Case, uh, CSI Mm -hmm. New York, All My Children. Oh, and, yes. my children and, was that. And Law and Order, but then everybody that everybody's yeah. been on Law and Order. That's right. right. So he had two TV shows, Persons Unknown, mm-hmm. where he mm-hmm. was a regular, yeah. and Lincoln Heights. Yes, which I didn't watch either of them, <laughs> but yeah. that was his start of fame. But Persons Unknown was one of those uh, mystery things, like all these people show up in a town and they don't know how they got there, and no oh, one knows who they are. Sort of a lost thing, right? Yeah, I'm yeah. Sure. It was 2010, so oh, okay, yeah. right. You around. can see why it's a. But he he uh, broke through as Jackie Robinson in forty two, and which, that was in which is a Harrison Ford movie. <laughs> yeah, two thousand thirteen. It should be it should be a Chadwick Boseman movie. Right, but it's a Harrison. It's the White Savior. Yes, yeah. I had I had issues with the movie, but he was good. He was good in it, was, and good, and then yeah. I remember at the time he's going to be Black Panther because they we knew then, and then he did James Brown. Yes, get on up, get on up. Which he's good, and they're good Marshall. Not so much, but and they're good Marshall. And now, and then, of course, the Avengers, Black Panther, and the Avengers. They're making a big deal because MLB because they started the season late. Normally, Jackie Robinson Day is April fifteenth, but it was yesterday. Yesterday is the day he died, which was April, which was August twenty eighth, and he died on Jackie Robinson Day. Yes. But people are trying to make it that he was 42. He was 43. Yeah, he, he was, was he born, was 43. He was yeah. born November 29th. People get confused 1976. Right. He, people get confused. Yes. But it is the birthday yesterday of the creator of Black Panther Jack Kirby. Well, I'll say co-creator because uh, <laughs> there's there's still an ongoing and yeah, it'll never never be resolved no. that Jack Kirby did everything for the Marvel Universe and Stan did nothing. And there's another fr- faction that say, well, that they were equal partners. And I, I, I tend to believe that because I, I think there was just something magical when Stan and Jack combined. Uh, it, it, and, it, and, and even if you said, hey, why don't you make it Wakanda? That could be something as little as that sure. contributes to the mythology. Because Jack had, was toying around with a, a black super character for a time called Black Tiger. And I think Stan kind of steered him yeah, into deal making him, yeah, the Panther. 
And uh, oh, do you, do you know what comic he was introduced in? He didn't start out with his own series. Was he a Fantastic Four? He was a, showed up in the Fantastic Four and took mm-hmm. them on and defeated them in combat. That's the thing. When Marvel heroes meet, they generally fight. Yes. They're not like the DC heroes that, you know, all see each other on the streets. Oh, yeah, I, you're, you do some great stuff in Central City. No, they, they fight each other. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, oh, so, yeah, DC. and then uh, they had the good sense. They, they weren't sure if they could give him a series, uh, you know, Back, at, back in the time, but uh, but they put him in the Avengers very quickly, mm-hmm. and then eventually he got his own series in Jungle Action Comics, and oh. uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it it he uh, took off as a character the last few years when uh, different creators have done some some interesting things to him, and they, and they made Wakanda a major part of the Marvel universe. They did so. So uh, and then I had friends last night that aren't that aren't as into it as we are. Well, what are they going to do for Black Panther two? And I said. Black Panther, as you've already seen in the four movies, there is always a new Black Panther. So I, I vote for Shuri. Well, you know, I, I have a, it's interesting because they could recast, and it wouldn't be the first time the Marvel's done, done right. that for the Marvel Studios. With an African-American films. actor. True, true. <laughs> So I'm I'm kind of hoping yeah, maybe for that, it'll be I Don Cheadle <laughs> because I I don't think that the you know the T'Challa story you know could no. could be wrapped up you know, Stephen James camera. Stephen James could play or they could ask Terrence Howard to come back I don't well know. that's not <laughs> that's not going to happen He's but aged of out the of, right. of the young guy of the of the guy the that's in the twenty fourth that uh, Trey. Oh, I just yeah, forgot his yeah. last name. I just saw that movie. He's very good. And, There's and, all sorts of people they could pick. And the young man pick. from Loose. Could, he's very good also. And I'm oh, uh, Kelvin Harrison the, Jr. He was in the high note also, I believe. Yes, yeah, and he was good. in Waves. But, uh, you know, it would be tough to take on that role. But, you know, we had a couple of actors take on the Joker after Heath Ledger's passing. And a lot of, yeah, after his, his passing, people were saying, oh, nobody should do play that role again. But that's that's a major character. And this character means so much to people. Yes. I think uh, the studios were proven wrong again when the, uh, I think the Panther may be the highest grossing of the Marvel solo heroes movies. Possibly. Because there was just a hunger for this for a, for a black superhero, just like uh, with Wonder Woman, there was a hunger mm-hmm. for a real if, a female good female super. I and mean, there had been that's Supergirl. Captain our Captain Marvel did so well. Yeah, well, there had been you know there had been Supergirl and and Elektra, but they weren't. But those very were well. bad movies. Those were bad movies. Look but, how look how many times Batman has been cast. So oh, therefore, oh, Batman's like Sherlock Holmes or something like that, or yeah, even James it's Bond. Just, it's just gonna. This is just the way it's gonna be. Uh, he was in Netflix's *The Five Bloods* as Storm and Norman. Now it is a small role, but it's a pivotal role, and that's what struck me when I watched it. Lynn and I it. are gonna. We were talking about this last night, whether because she says Delroy Lindo is going to definitely get an Oscar nom. I could see Netflix now going for. Chadwick, except because they've pushed but, his movie premiere back now. Oh, they did. Yes, oh. based on the play. Well, uh, I was saying he's got the best shot at winning something posthumously with Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which yeah. is going to be Denzel Washington produced mm-hmm. and Viola Davis plays Ma Rainey. It's from August Wilson's Pittsburgh cycle, the the American yeah, cycle. He did, it's, it, was that the one where he did one from every decade? Yes. Okay. And this is set in the 20s, and it is about a band, and he plays a troubled trumpet player. Oh. Well, didn't Viola play his mom in the James Brown film, I think? Yeah, that, is, am I mis, uh, um, misremembering? All I remember I from the James Brown film is that every instrument is a drum. <laughs> 
Uh, I can't, and so I, him playing a trumpet player is really a drum. So they did push it back. Well, it is a Netflix movie, too. Yeah. But I will say his part in Defy Bloods is even more poignant now. I'm, I'm not going to spoil the part. But if no, you the watch meme, it, the meme that's going around last night is that uh, I'm not dead yet. When he comes, when he comes out and faces down. Well, I haven't seen uh, my, Defy Blood. So. No, no, I'm talking about it's the meme really that's going bad. around. the The two scenes that are going on is when he comes out uh, in Endgame, uh, the and then the other one is when he faces off with Michael B. Jordan. He says, "You cannot kill me. I'm not dead yet, and I have not yielded." So, that is. Oh wait, wait. I have not yielded as and as you can see. I am not dead yet. And, and then the other, the third meme that's going around is uh, in my culture, uh, dead is des, dead isn't forever or something. It's, yeah, it's, that's it's when he's going on a sort of about his father, quest. right? Yeah, yeah, in the film. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the it was so shocking last night to get that headline. I had a I had a look again. I was like, what? I I just was so shocked because mm-hmm. it was it was so unexpected. Friday night. Uh, like a little bit before a little bit before 10 right and it was like what and then the the reaction on social media was very swift and everybody from the marvel universe weighed in i saw ruffalo's first and yeah. uh it was good i saw jordan peels who said this is a crushing blow Mm-hmm. And then I saw Angela Bassett, and pretty much everybody weighed in. Uh, just an outpouring of great affection, and they talked about what a gentleman he was to work with, and how and how he didn't have any scandals. <laughs> but yeah. he started late in life. He was he he didn't have his first lead until he's like thirty five. Well, yeah, I was surprised that he was forty three. Really, I th- I thought he was in his early thirties. You know, so I didn't really done my research on him, and I was like, oh my goodness, he's well, he's that he's in the in his forties. It really? is. It's very sad, and twenty twenty has now killed Black Panther. So. <sighs> and oh, twenty twenty, you University. ruined everything. Well, oh yeah. my goodness! If it was, uh, I saw a meme. Uh, yesterday, if 2020 was a canoe trip and it, that it showed the the deliverance, deliverance. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. then then there are people saying, "Don't quit blaming everything." What what year it is? All right, so Lynn, let's talk about films. I think we all saw a movie that we all liked, but let, let's start let's start with that one. Let's start with the personal history of David Copperfield. And David Copperfield is a classic Dickens story that has not been made in 50 years on the screen and because it's so iconic but that's not really a christmas carol is what everybody knows yeah, that d- is the that that's everybody the quintessential dickens dickens is like christmas time but no he's much more than that and, yeah. and then well oliver twist i would say yeah okay but that hasn't been made as, for 50 years well either. right not as much as a lot of tv stuff on david right. copperfield okay. Right, uh, but and, and then we're not saying the magician. Exactly, either. that's what most people under the age of let's say fifty-five know the name David Copperfield from the magician. But David Copperfield, this is a colorblind version of yeah. David Copperfield, and I did not have any problems with that. Dev no. Patel so good. Oh, terrific! It, it is. And it is well done. I was surprised how well done. And Peter Capaldi from Doctor Who yeah. has a major role in it. Hugh Laurie, Tilda Swinton shows up and then disappears and then shows. Oh, it is. So, I really enjoyed the personal history of David Copperfield. 
And I should look her up, but the uh, the young woman that plays uh, David Copperfield's fiance, I, I was looking at her when I, I saw this, went to the screening, or I was, was wait, screening Wait, so, wait, oh, you saw this at home. Saw this at home, I should say, yes, yes. And uh, I said, boy, she looks familiar. And it turns out she was also playing David's mother earlier yes, in the film. Yes, yes. Uh, that was that great. Was great. Yeah, because he loves somebody that looks exactly like his mother. But she's playing a totally different character. You can't tell, unless you know that it's the same person. It's very Hamilton-esque. But it's, exactly. it's, it's you can't tell that it's the same actress because one is downtrodden and beaten and destroyed, and the other one is very... Um, Airheady. Oh, she's got an interesting Poor first name, Morphid Clark. I I believe that's very British. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, the uh, the character in the Dickens novel is supposed to be childish. Right. She marries a very awful man, Murdstone, and his awful sister moves in. But what is so unique oh, about and she, this? Oh, uh, that's Gwendolyn Christie from right. uh, the Star Wars movies and Game of Thrones. And Game right? of Thrones, yes. What what is so unique about this film, besides trimming David Copperfield oh, to a manageable yeah, length, yeah. there are, there are a lot of character. If there are a lot of peripheral characters that get tossed, yeah. right, which is but, fine with me. But yeah. it's still got seventy seven people in the cast, <laughs> so it's not like they they just boiled it down. But, but what ben is Whitshaw. unusual about this is the filmmakers themselves, mm-hmm. Armando Armando Iannucci from v. and and uh, the writer Simon Blackwell, they are from the political satire Veep. Mm-hmm. Armando uh, directed The Death of Stalin, which mm-hmm. is a comedy. Yeah. yeah. And Simon Blackwell wrote In the Loop, which was Oscar nominated, and I found with it Peter, very fascinating. With Peter Capaldi. Right. Yes. And James Gandolfini. That's true. And uh, Armando's latest show, Avenue 5, on HBO, stars. Hugh Laurie. So he has a group of people that he likes right. to work with. Right, and Hugh Laurie act- was also on V, too. Okay. And the actress who uh, who played Mrs. Steerforth, or Steerforth, mm-hmm. is, is in Avenue 5 also. Yes. So, yeah. so that's what's so unusual here, is they took a classic British character, a Dick, Dickens novel, and they made it into a very enjoyable and very entertaining film. Less than two hours. A a, a two-part book in less than two hours. Yeah, just like a minute less than two hours, though. Yeah. Pretty close, yeah. It's the Cliff Notes version, but it's fine. But the linchpin here is Dev Patel. Yes. And I have always liked him since Slumdog Millionaire. Well, yeah. He was in Newsroom, and then he did Lion, which he was Oscar-nominated for. Now, depending on what comes out this year, I would say he would be on the short list for year-end awards. Yeah. Yeah. He's really this. good. I mean, and, and then the little kid that plays him for the first one. Oh, oh, yeah, he's adorable. So good. So good. He is just full of beans. He has just got that Jiraj Versani. Oh, yeah. And the way he deals with the stepdad. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's <laughs> it's just so good. The look of the film is really good. Hey, speaking of the huh. Marvel Universe, Benedict Wong is in this movie. Yeah, yeah. So about uh, you know, colorblind, too. We've got an Asian guy with a uh, with a black daughter in it. So it's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It does give you a little pause, I will say this, in the school scenes where they're all... Uh, you know, together because we know uh, in the segregated uh, Victorian England that this wouldn't be happening. So it takes a little <laughs> well, bit of adjustment to get used to. It but ma- I'm but fine does it with matter? colorblind. I don't think. No, it. I don't think it matters. I'm just saying it might be. It's just a little like it might uh, take a little bit of getting used to colorblind mm-hmm. casting if you're not 
uh, if you haven't been exposed to that. Now, right. in theater, I see it all the time. Right. So yeah. I don't. Harry Potter. Yeah. Right. And if I may, I'd like to heap some praise uh, on Ben Wyshaw. Now, hold on a second. St. Louis and St. Louis rockers that don't know where the name Uriah Heap came from, Ken Hensley from St. Louis, nationally known band Uriah Heap, yeah. they took their name from this Dickens work. This and character, so, yeah. And so people that don't know, they go, his, his name's Uriah Heap? Uh, the character from Dickens was first. Yes. And so if you're going easy living, no, this this movie... This character came first, and then the band, the band from the late '60s, early '70s, and he's a little snot. Well, he well he's yeah he's he's kind of weird. Yeah, yeah he's very his, nervous at the his, beginning. His, he's ticky and and twitchy, and he's got that weird bowl haircut. Right, and you know that uh, you know everyone's kind of mocking him for being kind of an odd person, but you you know that st- something's going on in his head, and he's plotting something. Well, and I think in the book he's a lot more devious than yeah, he is. Yeah. Than in this, this seems like he's kind of. Uh, lucked his way into these things even though it's all deliberate and he's being way too self-depreciating and bowing and all mm-hmm. that and uh, there's the scene with uh where he invites uh david over to to have heavy cake with his yeah. mother <laughs> very heavy cake very heavy cake yeah well um, that band was very good um, and then there's also um i don't know how to say this actor's names anurin barnard he is the other yes. villain, but and he's but very he's condescending. Not really, he's really not a villain in this either. No, but he's got that condescending schoolboy attitude. Mm-hmm. Although he befriends David Copperfield in a genuine way. Also, in the book, it's a lot worse. <laughs> right now, apparently, uh, and I don't know this for sure. It's just what I've read. But this is the most autobiographical novel of Dickens. Of, of Dickens, right? And he did base. Hugh Laurie's character on his dad. And, <laughs> That's right. uh, but they don't have them all immigrating to Australia. They, they take out some aspects of the book yeah. because a lot of these people uh, that have down on their luck, they all move to Australia and do very well. <laughs> but they, they took that entire aspect out. And also some characters live in the movie that don't live in the book. True, true. Right. Reveal who, but no, uh, no, but, but no, it's, no, it's, but it's, some it's, very, it's a very, you know, it's, it's a, just a, a verbatim, you know, classics illustrated uh, adaptation. And, you know, Armando's doing some interesting things. He's doing some interesting things visually in the film, too. I, I thought uh, you mentioned Hamilton. There was a couple of uh, uh, visual uh, flourishes, I yes. think, were from the stage where, well, there was a couple of scenes where behind uh, the characters there's film of the characters in another sequence right. doing something in another setting which I thought was interesting. It's, it's, it's kind of like the movie that we talked about last week, uh, Tesla where they have these backgrounds that are that are art. They actually do that in this movie too and then they, I don't want to give away the trick that they use but it's, it's well done. Uh, it reminded me a little of the movie that we saw last week, Tesla but this one is done better. It is. It's much. It's. It's probably one of my favorite movies of the year. I liked it very much. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's so based it's, on it's early. It's eight I, I know it's novels. August, right. It's early. But uh, it is. I don't think it's necessarily laugh riot comedy, but it is a. It's a observational comedy, and Certainly. it does it's a classic obviously story have done well. Yes. Yeah. yeah <laughs> yes. And I was and I was recommending it to folks. Uh, you know, the, since it's PG, this is a film you can. You know, load the kids up and take to the drive-in, although the, the littlest ones might be a little bored with it. Yeah. They might be a little horrified by some of the scenes in which little David is uh, being punished oh. for not knowing his grammar. Right. Terrible. Oh, terrible. Now, as I, re- I kept 
on going back to, I never saw the whole thing, but I kept on going back to the 30s Hollywood production. I think Basil Rathbone was in that role, which would have been just wow. perfect. And the and little kid, Freddie. Freddie uh, Bartholomew yeah. was young David. And Mr. Micawber was perfectly cast in the 30s by... W.C. Fields. Who I, I think probably would have paid to be in the movie. I heard he was a huge Dickens fan. Wow. So uh, so that was just ex- ex- excellent casting. And but the casting in this is very good, too. As we were talking about, all these movies, this was this came out a year ago at TIFF. Right. It was in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it was a year ago. Yes. Well, what was it, last November? Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. That, no yeah, that, it's September that's, 5th. That's September a, 5th. in Toronto, yeah. yeah and then it, it's been out in England since the beginning of the year. Oh, Which goodness. makes sense, but I don't know why. Well, I guess I, they've been sitting on it, I guess. This yeah, is it would have gotten in, some BAFTA nominations, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. It did. It did for casting, it, for ensemble cast. It does have a terrific ensemble cast. It is really and so good. it was nominated for ensemble cast for BAFTA. So I don't know if it's going to be eligible for. This is a weird hybrid year. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. shall see what happens. But for, if you're looking for something unusual. That was it. And then Jim, of course, got to be uh, his his uh, he got a, a boost because the director tweeted thank you to him. But Jim wasn't on Twitter, so he had to be told about it. That's right. I got, <laughs> I got sent a screenshot of the Twitter. I was like, well, that's so Armando cool. liked your review. He liking his movie, it. he appreciated it. So I, well, I they know. normally don't retweet if uh, yeah, if, if, if they don't like. It. <laughs> I think yeah. the last time somebody retweeted, I think, was when I praised John Leguizamo for uh, his small role in American Ultra. So that's nice. Yeah. Well, let's st- let's stick with Jim right now. Jim was one of the few people that went to a movie theater yesterday and went to go see. The New Mutants that has been sitting on the shelf since... Well, 2018, I think, is when it was probably completed. Two years. Yeah, I I don't know if you'd heard this, Carl, but I I think I'd read somewhere. I was trying to do some digging, but supposedly they they took it a took it away from its release date in order to add a character what? and they did extensive reshoots and i couldn't figure out which character they might have added to it well this was this movie has been a casualty of the disney fox merger because disney wants to introduce the x-men into the mcu and this movie would impede or help or what? Tell us, Jim. I don't think it would uh, would impede it too much. Uh, they they the X Men are referenced during the film, but we actually don't see any uh, of the X people. Uh, at one point, uh, they're they're they one of the characters has drugged the evil nurse ratchet type uh, <laughs> uh, mistress of the of the school or the yeah. hospital or whatever and so they're frolicking with the uh, hospital equipment and one of the boys Roberto is in the wheelchair and she's and um, one of the uh, other other kids says well who's the, who's her superior superiors and he says well who do you think and he does the little you know, touch to his forehead oh, like Professor, Professor X. Xavier, and oh, they, and they no. said, "I don't want to be an X Men. I don't want to dress up in that leather suits and fight <laughs> fight people. What are they talking about?" So that's so tongue in cheek reference. Tongue in cheek a little bit, yeah, yeah. So is this a prequel? No, uh, no, no. This is uh, part of the ongoing uh, X universe. This was I guess. trying to expand the. Fox's franchise of the X-Men. You know, as in the same way that uh, Wolverine and well, Deadpool, in a way. Deadpool is right. sort of an offshoot of the X-Men also. But, uh, yes, I understand this is, uh, goes back to about 1982, and that's when, you know, everything was X-Men at, at Marvel well, right. Comics. Oh, which the X-Men 90s cartoons, they are on Disney Plus now. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. 
But uh, but yeah, so uh, so yeah, there's there's a few names in this. It's uh, it well, I should I should mention though, I saw this at the Esquire Theater. Uh, th- things were slow at work, so I closed over closed up and went over there and was able to get a, a ticket for the three thirty screening. I got there about a minute or two before. Of course, had to wear my mask going in and uh, into the theater. I didn't partake of any uh, any uh, concessions there, but they but had, they were open. Well, the concession stand was open, but you know they have those uh, fill your cup. Uh, things and of course you can't do that anymore and got in the theater and I was able to pick my own seat and I thought there'd be two seats in between me and the next person but there was only one so that's it would rather have been two I would have been a little better but uh, but got, you could have moved. <laughs> I could have moved. There, there was uh, it was not filled. Well, of course, it wouldn't have been filled even if they sold out all the seats because they're only doing about thirty percent to fifty percent capacity. Okay, forty percent. Forty percent. The sink. St. Louis County. And if you know the Esquire, this was in one of the side theaters. I don't know if they've got the main auditorium open or not. I know that some of the other side theaters were playing it. I think it's the only film playing at the Esquire. I don't think they have Copperfield or any other releases. Uh, And, of course, I kept my mask on through the uh, film, which... Doesn't add to the enjoyment of it, but <laughs> as, well, especially as if you're eating popcorn. Yeah, well, if you, if I, you know, you could you know do that, but what are they? Uh, what's the old expression? Suck it up, Buttercup. Yeah, you know, just be glad that you can go see a film. You know. Well, the, so I, how was it with the previews and all that? Too stuff? many previews. He, saw, he said Carl, there were eight of them. I thought there was eight, but I think uh, remembering all the uh, the titles, I think there were, goes down to seven. We got uh, we got Morbius. We got uh, Come Play. We got Tenet, we got Black Widow, we got Greenland with uh, mm-hmm. Gerard Butler, and we oh, got well. Death Kingsman on the Nile. and Death on the Nile. I was telling Carl, I thought that uh, Kenneth Branagh was in three of them, but it was just two. I was thinking from, for some reason he was in Kingsman, but he's hey, not. Hey, uh, one of the uh, co-creators of the New Mutants, Bob McCloud, uh, yes. they spilled his name wrong. I waited till the end credits and they gave him a special. Because you wanted to see? Well, I was expecting him to be at the start of the credits. They don't, don't do the credits and the title until the end of the film. And uh, usually they'll say based on the characters, based on the Marvel characters created, created by, by or the Marvel comic mm-hmm. created by. But they don't. They just give him a special thanks at the end. Which, and they spelled his name wrong. And they spelled his name wrong. And he was he was said, I'm kind of done with this film. And I was well, like, this is know, the 13th movie in the Fox X-Men series. And they're calling it the 13th and final. And it does uh, say the the logo at the start of it is uh, 20th Century Studios. So the Fox is completely out of it. Did they do the fanfare? They do the fanfare. Because they did the fanfare for Searchlight, which was uh, David Copperfield. That's right. And they do the Marvel page flipping, but it says in association with Marvel, Ah. which is part of uh, Mobius also. Mm -hmm. But, of course, Black Widow is a full-fledged Marvel Studios film. So it's Maisie Williams, Anna Taylor-Joy, Charlie Heaton. Charlie Heaton from Stranger Things, mm-hmm. and a Taylor Joy who is uh, getting quite a career going here. She's in a lot of different things lately. She's playing a, uh, the most interesting character of the bunch, Ileana, and I believe her code name. They never call her this, but her nickname or superhero name is Magic. I think in the in the comics. Mm-hmm. But uh, and according to the comics, she is the uh, cousin or maybe sister of uh, Colossus. Yes. And she, her 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 thing is she's got a weird power. Uh, well, she talks to a a dragon puppet called Lockheed. Which and 
which becomes a real <laughs> dragon. Uh, dragon, yeah. When she goes to her happy place, which is sort of this limbo universe, mm-hmm. which she can transport herself and her enemies into. And uh, I guess her right arm turns into uh, battle armor with a complete with a flaming sword and all this. Okay. And when she's it's not, a soul sword, Jim. Soul sword. Come on. When she's not uh, this. You're doing this. She's kind of a, a punk tough girl. She's kind of the. Uh, I, I was going back to Girl Interrupted, and I guess she's the Angelina uh, character okay. from that. And she's, of course, is picking a fight with Danny uh, Moonstone, I think is her name. Moonstar. Moonstar, who was the uh, the Native American character mm-hmm. that's brought in at the start of the film. It starts out with her her uh, sort of village or her family and, and home under attack, and then uh, her father telling her to hide in the woods, her losing consciousness, consciousness and waking up in this decrepit uh you know looks like it had been you know barricaded years ago a uh, hospital of some sort mm-hmm. or hospital dorm something you like mean that. charles xavier found her well it doesn't have any you know it doesn't say the, the school for gifted uh, youngsters mm-hmm. or anything on the front of it but uh, the alice braga character who runs it who uh i guess is let's see what is her character dr Celia reyes yes yes dr dr reyes keeps on saying you know i'm i'm monitoring you for our superiors and that leads to that mm-hmm. scene where they're saying oh you yeah, were, we're gonna maybe be and X-Men. she has a girlfriend too oh who uh, D- danny D- danny, D- danny and has a girl's friend and that is my Maisie williams's character played by uh, or the, the, her character is rain i guess rain and, sinclair uh, yeah and uh, her thing is uh when she uh it's in the mood she can turn into a wolf and run around. If she's not a wolf, she's kind of a werewolf-looking type of creature. And she's Scottish using her regular voice. Yes, yes. And so it's it's interesting. They uh, they we the, the, those two characters kind of encounter themselves as when you know Danny is meeting everybody, and then later on she's getting sculpted out in the showers. Oh, Both good. of them are there. This is PG thirteen. PG thirteen. Right? Uh, there is one f bomb that, of course, Ileana drops, and uh, later on in their sort of rec room, they're watching. A, a TV show that's far superior to this film. What? Buffy the Vampire oh, Slayer. Wow. They're particularly watching, and of course, the the uh, Maisie Williams character is really watching the uh, scene of uh, Willow, Willow and Tara enjoying some smoochies. Okay. <laughs> and uh, in different scenes in the rec room, they show uh, sort of a shelf unit bookcase next to them, and on the bookcase are the DVD season sets for Buffy. <laughs> yeah, like well, that way it was a Fox it. production. That's right. That's right. So and at la- the time. And later on, they have another scene from an even better episode of Buffy, and that's The Gentleman. Okay. The finale Hush. of that. Hush, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the gentleman attacking Buffy in the uh, church tower, which cues into a scene in which Ileana faces her greatest fear, which are these seven-foot-tall characters that kind of resemble the gentleman, except they don't have uh, any uh, uh, any eyes, I believe. Okay. They're all teeth there, and they're wearing sort of happy face masks when they're uh, running around also. So I saw a review that said, New Mutants isn't as bad as you think. No, really. That was the headline. Yeah, it's, you know, considering some of the other, I would take this in a second over Dark Phoenix. Well, yeah. I thought that was, that just, was awful. just awful, awful mess. I would, but but I they would, knew it was awful doing it. Yeah. And, well, I would, you know, I would take it over, I would take it over Apocalypse. I would take it over the third X. Was it X three with the the United, last stand? The last stand that Brett Radner directed. Mm-hmm. I would take it over the first solo Wolverine film, Wolverine Origins, which is going to be on Disney Plus. This yes, month yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, somebody was mentioning that they thought this would be on Disney Plus in November. I think some of it's maybe a little too intense for Disney. This might Plus. be on Hulu. It could be on Hulu instead. And like I say, they well, they no, they're, 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 they have all the they have all the Avengers. 
movies on. Well, they on, might be a little timid about the romance between uh, ah, the star well, that's, and, that, which and, is what they did and, with and uh, Lizzie McGuire. That's why it's that has not been out there yet. Oh, there's a, there's a, a couple in that. Well, no, they want they want to make the Lizzie McGuire Lizzie oh, McGuire reboot remake. a little uh, more adult, and they oh, said, well, then okay. we're going to have to put so, it on Hulu and not put it on Disney oh, Plus. I see, I see. But uh, but yeah, it's all pretty much centered on um, on this uh, little little sort of school, and uh, it's basically the five characters in it. I couldn't imagine which one of them you know they wanted to add. Mm-hmm. And uh, Can you, so it, nothing's blatant. No, no, nothing. You know, it's it's if nothing could have been inserted, they'd have to have reshot a lot of stuff to add another so character. So is this so a good one fun. for this series to bow out? Uh it's a better one than, than Dark Phoenix, I will say that. So, you know, because Dark fun. Phoenix would be ending with a whimper. This yeah. is this isn't a bang, but it's not as bad as Dark Phoenix. And don't stay for the end credits, cause there ain't nothing at the yeah, end. Yeah, cause there's nothing to tease. Well, you know what I was thinking was going to happen, but it might be you know, giving away too much. I thought that suddenly uh, Xavier would pull up with a van and ask them all to get in, but <laughs> that would have been a nice. Or or. Uh, or Nick Fury show. <laughs> um, <laughs> that would have been nice, but uh, but yeah, you can see it for for Anna Taylor Joy. She's she's kind of interesting, got an in, interesting accent. I was thinking that she was sort of doing a tough Bronx or Russian thing, but she's Russian. She's sort of doing uh, like a Russian gangster girl type okay. accent. So that's kind of well. We've been talking about Disney Plus very much, and I stayed up till. 1.30 in the morning yeah. last night to watch the Phineas and Ferb movie Candace. Against the universe. I watched it too. And it was 10 minutes too long, but everything I could hope for. It was funny. It was smart. The songs were great. I re- if it was 10 minutes shorter, it would have been a perfect movie and would have been one of my highlights of the year. But I really enjoyed it, Jim. Oh, that's good. That's I've never watched the show. And, but so. see, that's the thing. Yeah. They they The very first song is trying to soften Car- Candace's character because they... That's been her whole, the whole, all four seasons, she's trying to bust her brothers and do all this stuff. They needed to make her a little more likable. So that her doing that song at the very beginning is to soften her character enough. Uh, for those that love Phineas and Ferb, this takes place before the finale because the finale ran, because it's 104 days of summer and every episode, even though there are like 150 episodes, Phineas and Ferb do something to make their summer the best summer ever. And so this takes place in that summer, which is the summer that's going on and everything that you love about Phineas and Ferb if you are a fan and if you are not you should be it's smartly written the songs are hilarious it's it's a bunch of guys that used to do Family Guy and they made a TV show for kids and it is very well done I love Phineas and Ferb and everything that you loved about the show is in this movie you coming in as a newbie did you enjoy it? Parts of it. It did <laughs> it was feel funny. too long to me. It's only an hour and 27 minutes. It's the, They were 11-minute shorts. Mm-hmm. Two or a two-parter would be a regular 22-minute sitcom episode. But they, they were 11 minutes, two and a half hour, and they did, you know, they did four-plus seasons of that which is rare on Disney. So there's about 150 episodes. They made a couple movies. There's a Star Wars movie. There's a Marvel movie. There is uh, Across the Second Dimension. And they write, there's a soundtrack that goes with this because every every episode has about two or three original songs. And this is 100% original songs. The uh, songs, like they have the Perry the Platypus theme. They have the... 
they have the Doofenshmirtz Evil Incorporated. They have that, and they have a lot of regular songs that you've known in the past as uh, underscores. So they are there's a lot of nostalgia in this movie, and it's been it's, it's Phineas and Ferb has been off the air for a while, even though you can get all the stuff on Disney Plus now. I enjoyed it. I was looking for it to it. I've been talking on the radio f- about this for months. They say, hey, are you interested in Tenet? I'm like, no, I'm interested in the Phineas and Ferb movie to come out. And it's really, it, almost all of the cast has come back, except Jack McBrayer's character, who is in the background near at the grand finale, but everybody else is in it. They do, there are a couple continuity things, because Ferb is in love with uh, Doofenshmirtz's daughter. Mm. They don't touch on that at all. Yeah. And, but that actually, the episode after this, which would be the finale, they jump ahead into the future. And so you see that they wind up together. So that is, I wish they would do more of these, even though it's it's it's, it's a nice, the way they ended it was really good and I'm glad they did, but I still love seeing these characters and I enjoyed watching it. And if you are a fan, you there's a lot of fan service. The story is well done. The jokes are really strong because they are not adult jokes and they're not kid jokes. There's a lot of breaking of the fourth wall stuff too that is smart and subtle and really well done. And as a newbie, you probably didn't catch a lot of the end jokes. Well, I had a tough time catching a lot of it because they speak so darn fast. They are fast. Slow it down. (laughs) I want to understand what you're saying. And uh, the same thing with some of the songs. Some of the songs, that I could get little clever bits of it, but just too, you know, it just gets marble-mouthed after a while to me. But that might be my, my, my age showing. Well, well, you know what? That That is something. Going back on, even though all the praise I did hype on the personal history of David Copperfield, there were times I wish I had uh, subtitles because yeah. sometimes I didn't understand what they were saying. Because Tilda speaks pretty quick in a lot of her scenes. Yes. So... Even though I love that movie, there were times I didn't know what they were talking about, and I could still follow the thing. But even with the Phineas and Ferb movie, you still understood what was going on. Mm-hmm. But even I, I really, I think they're very smart uh, writers and songwriters. So I enjoyed it very much. Lynn, let's go to church. Okay. Because the, she, you, she told me. I'm going to watch Fatima. And I said, I watched too much of that stuff in grade school <laughs> because it feels it feels like a movie that they would have showed us. They would have taken everybody to the gym and we would have sat down on the floor and we would have watched an hour and a half story of Fatima. Even though it's an amazing story and I, I believe in everything that happened there and miracles and all that stuff, I didn't need to relive that. How was it? Well... Uh, I remember the 1952 movie, like all good Catholic school kids. And uh, this is... More of the same or better production values? Well, it's better production values, but Hmm. it's still... I mean, you've got the basic story of uh, three... Kids. Three shepherds' kids in Portugal have a vision from the Blessed Virgin Mary and nobody believes them. Do they show the do they show it or is it implied? Yeah, no, they show it. Okay. And she, she's the, so they're the all woman in. playing Mary is very beatific. Mm-hmm. It's very well lit and beautiful. But it's just a plotting 
by the book story. The director is Marco, and I'm going to let me try this name, <laughs> Pontecorso. Okay. Pontecorvo. Anyway, his father did the Battle of Algiers. Oh, okay. He well, is known as a cinematographer, longtime cinematographer. Yes. He did Game of Thrones, and he did that miniseries, Rome. Yeah. Not to be confused with the movie Roma. Okay, so it looks great. The three kids are, uh, you know, cute little kids, and... The one becomes a nun. Yes. And it is, It's. this is not a spoiler alert, but the other two will get the Spanish flu and die. Right. So their death is predicted. Yeah, it, she, she says that they're going to, she tells them that they're going to die. Right. So uh, this site. Well, they, they were the cousins. They were the, there was. Yeah, the, they're two little cousins. And uh, Jacinta. And she is played by Alejandro Howard. Mm-hmm. Are they and all then, Portuguese kids? I'm not sure. Okay. And then Francesco is played by Jorge Lamalas. And they're just typical kid actors. Now, Lucia, the one that becomes a nun, mm-hmm. is played as an adult by Sonia Braga of all Oh, really? Hmm. Yeah. But this is weird. This is where it gets weird. They take this framing device of Harvey Keitel as a professor. Oh, teaching about this? And he goes to visit the nun. Oh, is she still alive? Uh, (laughs) Is that spoilery? I'm not sure. But in this film, which was, this film is supposed to commemorate the centennial of what is known as the Miracle of the Sun. It was 1917. I know. So I don't know why they call it the centennial, because it's obviously past that. Now, uh, so it's very by the book. Okay. So you have... She died in 2005, by the way. Okay. So obviously it's before that. Uh, So they talk... But you don't under really understand. So she's talking about, uh, you know, having this experience of the of of the Blessed Mother talking to her, and then what the kids had to do is because nobody believed them, including her mother. Mm-hmm. Her mother. Everything is so black and white in this. The mayor of the town is Goran. Viznik? Yeah. Yes. Goran Viznik. It's Viznik. From ER. More ER. Yes. Viznik. Yeah. And he plays this mayor who is all about being a politician. And he wants people to come to his town to see the miracle. Oh, yeah. No, he doesn't. He, well, he doesn't, well, he doesn't believe, believe them. He doesn't but then all it. these people start to show up. Right. So then he's yeah. like, well, okay. But they, they try to get the kids to recant. They, mm-hmm. they, they pull out all the stops. They get a psychologist. They get a... a another the priest and the kids won't budge but what the kids had to do was mary told them insights and then they said it to the crowd to appease them and to she act- wrote a letter to the pope right which and then when the pope saw it he cried and uh they weren't supposed to uh reveal They're- it for for you know it was put in a vault I never did see the original, but that fascinated me as a kid. Mm-hmm. That what's pope, in that letter? Yeah, what's in that letter? And then it was really like peace. And, and I think like every it's, pope after that has gone to see what that letter is, and they have not said anything. No, it's about peace in the world, mm-hmm. pretty much. Mary was preaching peace in the world. But what she does at the final visitation to make people believe it, because there's 
there's hundreds of people out in this field. Mm -hmm. She puts on quite the solar light show. Yeah, the miracle of the sun, they called it. Right. So that is, and so that has nice CGI and believable. But the story is just one of these plodding, earnest, oh, the the kids are like, believe us. And the adults are like, we don't believe you. <laughs> and it just goes from so there. So it on, it's on the kids' side, right? Yeah, it's on okay. the kids' side, sure, because it really because, happened. Because the popes are all like, uh, we believe the kids. Right, and... Uh, well, They're all saints, right? The the, uh, the three kids are saints. The centennial aspect of it is they filmed everything that's current when they did the centennial things because that's when everybody showed up. So there were tons of people there, so they could film it when, in 2017 at the centennial of that because the Pope was there and they did they used the footage from that. Uh huh. So. But is this will will this replace the movies that we watched at school? I'm sure to the modern era children it will. Uh, it's just your basic, you know, book of saints story. Uh, if you, you know, talk about if that. you like that kind yeah, of stuff, if you like that kind of stuff. I don't want to be against any kind of religious film, faith-based film, but I thought is it, it better than the one mm -hmm. from the fifties? Well, in terms of modern technological value it's the same story <laughs> it's the same story you're not gonna you know no you, but the ones in the 50s was against communism so the, <laughs> it tries to have a modern take about you know about peace in the world which is always a noble always a good thing uh, always a noble who doesn't idea. like peace in the world but it is available to uh your your christian faith-based audiences who want to go to the B&B theaters. Yes. It's at all of them. Festus, Fenton, uh, Wildwood, Wentzville. I don't even know how many B&B theaters there are. Well, I saw I saw an ad for it during the Republican National Convention. <laughs> so that is that is their audience. I was going to say, this has nothing to do with like uh, the, the, the old movie. Uh, the, was it The Song of Bernadette? Was that the thing? No, no that's, 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 that's a different one. That's Lords. That's Lords. No, I'm always fascinated by saints because of my upbringing, I suppose. And so yeah. I wanted there, this. Some, sto some stories about saints are fascinating. Yeah, and I really wanted this to be you better. Wa you wanted it to be better. Now, I but think, they couldn't change the who's story. Who's the one that canonized them? Was it Pope John? Was it, I think, 23rd, right? John 23rd? Yeah, I think so. Anyway, but uh, uh, I just find this to be rather... No, it was Francis. Francis? Francis did the, Francis did the uh, twins. Okay. Not the twins, the, the cousins. The in cousins. 20, in 2017. Okay. Uh, but I guess I guess the sister. They do tell that later. Okay. Yeah, but uh, people are so mean to those kids. It's just. <laughs> but then the people that believe them are like, uh, uh, they're wanting them to. You see, this is the thing about miracles. People want uh, uh, as soon as you, as as soon as this happens, people want them to cure everybody. Right. That's why. And then not everybody's up. cured. Just like. That movie Breakthrough, the mm -hmm. Christian faith-based movie. Yeah. Whereas, oh, okay, yeah. the kid got saved, but what about all the kids that don't get saved? You know, what about but what about all the kids that die of cancer and uh, things oh, like they that? Oh, they died. Those the kids died from the Spanish flu. Right. Okay. That's what I, I did. Say. I, I know. I, did I, I, I. 
but uh, they so there's a fine line there, I think. But th- that's another thing. See, people are greedy. Like they're showing up with the the handy the disabled mm-hmm. children and like they want. Why the aren't you? Why can't you cure him? You're being false prophets. Right. They wanted the kids to do it when it wasn't the kids. The kids are just there vessels. Right. Oh, yeah. They're just pure vessels. Messengers. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, uh, years ago, in the modern era, there was a guy that saw Mary. In toast? Uh, claim, no, uh, this is in, like, the sky or reality. He, and he would have all these people go to the Shrine of Our Lady of the Snows, which is across the river in Belleville, mm-hmm. the National Shrine. Oh, yeah. I went, wasn't it, like, in the 90s? Yeah. And uh, I this went was, there. like, a huge thing. He claimed to get these visions. Mm-hmm. And this is the thing, the meta, oh, God, where's the place in, in, in the former Czechoslovakian where people did see her? Metagorky? Meta, it's... Mm-hmm. They all go. Pr- I, I've known people that went. Okay, and uh, and so it is. Every time Mary shows up, obviously it's a big deal. Yeah. So this guy had this huge crowd show up at the shrine all the time. And then all of a sudden it went away. Mm-hmm. So I don't really know the backstory there. I'm surprised there hasn't been a film okay. about that. But there is an example of you've gotten films made. Why don't you? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> you know people that know, know people. I know. I just, I just am, you know. But yeah, you can tell in the early days, like when Jennifer Jones won the Oscar for Song of Bernadette. Those are the kind of movies that they would take the whole entire school to go see mm-hmm. at the Lincoln Theater, for for whatever reason, all the Catholic kids were going to a movie, and those were very earnest. And but they had like decent actors and actresses. This is okay, actors and actresses, but the script is just really. It doesn't do the movie. Uh, it does the movie a disservice. I feel like. Okay. All right. So the third. I'm looking this up. The third secret was the, the attempted assassination of the Pope, which would be John Paul. Oh, okay. But that they said that that wasn't the whole secret, and so that they know that someone was going to try to kill the Pope, but they didn't know when. So, but then again, I don't know. That's why he's got the Pope mobile. That's why he's got the glass and clothes. But he didn't have it then. If you think they would have known that secret, do you think that they he would have not done the Pope mobile? I, I don't know. Right. I don't know. But they will, they will be showing this to Catholic school children on special days. Hey, we're all going to watch Fatima. All right, Lynn, let's go to a better movie, a documentary uh, that takes place in 1979. Oh, yes. It's very good. Did you see it? It's a good one. It's called Desert One, and I predict that this will be one of the ones standing at the end of the year. For sure. I'm on the uh, Critics' Choice uh, Association's uh, documentary panel. Yeah. And I am in the category of archival biopic history. Documentaries. Yes. And uh, so I was very much looking forward to this. And I think this one will be one of the five uh, that, you know, you see in all the lists at the end of the year. This is about the failed attempt to rescue the hostages in 1980. The hostages were taken in 1979. And they spent 444 days in captivity. November of 79, a few weeks before Thanksgiving, they were taken. Right. And uh, and the Post-Dispatch had the number 
every day in the corner. Well, since the, uh, every, the, uh, the newscasters would sign off the, with the network news would say, and this is the 150th day of captivity, uh, captivity for the American hostages in Iran. So. And this is why Nightline became a program, because right. ABC News would have this after the, update. the thing. And then Rocky Sickman from Krakow, Missouri, mm-hmm. who is now lives in St. Louis, he uh, was one of the hostages. He was a Marine guard taken. This has nothing to do with Argo. Argo were 52 people that escaped that got and out. went to go to the Canadian embassy. Right. But as I recall, Argo mentioned the rescue attempt during the film, didn't it? I think that might, I think that happened while they were waiting. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, so. yeah, they. But so this is these are the the uh, other got, people got everybody in Iran riled up. I remember. Right. Yeah. Right. And uh, this one is is directed by barbara koppel who won two oscars for harlan county usa and for american dream and she is an is a fantastic documentarian and what i liked about this i like the graphic novel approach Mm. uh, that they inserted i really like that they have this is very much a compelling haunting riveting story that you don't know right you think you know it but you don't and carter didn't want this story out well because it failed it failed and he was you know he did everything he could to get those hostages before reagan was inaugurated yeah but he he they let them out the day yeah as a slap to the face it was a slap in the face but jimmy carter did all the pre-work you can tell how anguished he was because he is a decent man and you could tell how anguished he was but everything that could go wrong went wrong this is april of 1980 that it yes this attempt was made how about i guess this is you know we these became declassified recently the audio recordings aren't they incredible between not only uh, President Carter but Vice President Mondale yes. and uh, the generals and all that and they're they're relaying the information from them and you hear the uh, the staffers going hey, please hold for the president go on <laughs> did they yeah. did they explain why none of the helicopters worked oh it was well, equipment failure they had a yeah. huge dust storm oh the dust oh, yeah oh and then and then they had this bus show up with people they yeah. oh my goodness i didn't know the bus story I didn't either they have uh, they have uh, people from both sides talk and so you have some of the iranian people who, who insist know. that the captives were treated humanely and then we heard i'd heard these stories in the past about all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, and then being grabbed up and taken to the uh, basement and blindfolded, and then you know, oh, yeah. setting segment. up firing yeah. squads. Yeah, yeah, sure. And uh, uh, it is just fascinating. Does it make you mad at the Iranians all over again? Yeah, it does. Sure, sure. Well, I, well, like, yeah, well, Lynn, you remember what was going, what the country uh, was going through at that time, right. what the feeling was, and it was just mounting frustration. Yeah, yeah, but, the, why, and, but why no I'm, one knew that this was happening. No, and then also well, no, that the fact that we weren't getting them out of there, right. you know. Yeah. Well, we had the Ayatollah Khomeini, uh, the regime taken over, and then we were sympathetic to the Shah of Iran, oh. which they go into the history. Which was our yes mess up to begin. Right, yeah. right. Well, this is what because this wasn't Carter's fault. Uh, what they do is they tell you the backstory. Wasn't and that they Kennedy tell you, or Eisenhower? Y- yeah, they, Eisen, it goes yeah, back. Fifty-three. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, goes I, way yeah. back, and so we. Were always sympathetic with the Shah of Iran. So then, when he got but, cancer, but he was our political puppet, right? <laughs> That's true. 
Right. So when he got cancer, he came to the United States for treatment. Well, then all hell broke loose because he was here and we were taking care of him. And uh, so there's a whole backstory about that. And then when uh, so when everything starts to go wrong on this uh, this, this mission. mission, Carter just goes, it's unbelievable, isn't it? And they go, yes, sir, it Operation is. Eagle Claw. Oh, my yeah. or, or Operation Tapas, which ah. is the nearby town. Yes, and so it, it's, it's fascinating. But they also have some of the military guys. And they have uh, six special ops guys die in this horrific— Eight, eight U.S. sewers, eight, yeah. eight servicemen killed, four injured, one Iranian civilian killed. Oh, it's horrific what oh, happens, well, and it's uh, just, it's no visibility, mm. it was badly botched, and and so you have these military guys explaining it, and then they do have, uh, at one of the fields in Florida, I want to say Hurlbert? Microphone, Lynn. A Hurlbert, is it? Anyway, they yeah. have a they have a memorial, m- a memorial to them, yeah. and so the military guys talk very Reverend? bluntly, mm. but also very reverently about everything was done to according to procedure. I mean, these were not idiots doing this. You know, this wasn't like you know Three Stooges rescue. This is just was meticulously plotted, and then all the variables. Yeah, and that, then they scattered them. They didn't. They were all kept in one place, and then once oh, they found out hostages, that was, yeah. the hostages were scattered yeah. to make sure that they couldn't do it, they couldn't try again. Yes, yes. But oh, it just breaks your heart. And yeah, and you actually there's a, there's a sequence in which uh, after the the, uh, the they went back to the Nimitz, I guess the next day the Iranian forces went in and took the the bodies. And you see that. Yeah, it's that's just, horrible. That's horrible. horrible. And they're they're putting the bodies on display, so for their their nightly news or whatever, showing it, mm-hmm. showing up, putting, you know, taking them out of their, the blankets and the, the sheets and all that. And it's it's just ghastly. And and um, and then you do see uh, some of the kids of the survivors. They talk, and then the one mom that did go oh, over, Miss Tim. Uh, uh, the uh, from Minnesota, yeah. and she's very vocal about. Uh, uh, the operation, and she does really well. They said that uh, that uh, once the hostages were released, twenty of them did not want to meet with uh, President Carter. Yeah, they and were he angry yeah, about and he that. talks about that. President Carter is interviewed, and he does say that uh, uh, you know he was worried that not all of them would, but he did get to meet with some of them. Yeah. And I will say he took full responsibility. Mm. He didn't pass the buck. Do they yes. talk about Operation Honey Badger, which would have been the second one? No, they don't talk about that. Okay, because they, they were planning on doing a second one. Mm, yeah. But, yeah, Lynn, you talked about the graphic novel approach, and that's, that's true. That's a, 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 something a, that used to be called animatics. Before mm-hmm. a, a commercial would be filmed, they would uh, do some— Rotoscoping? Well, not rotoscoping, but, but draw you know, intense you know, illustrations, and they would try to— st- simulate movement under the camera which is kind of what they've they've done here it looks like a moving graphic novel that instead of uh like using 24 drawings to show someone moving their arm they'd use two or three drawings to make a, a quick dissolve through all of them so it's kind of almost dreamlike but uh, the illustrations like i say are, are very very well done and it's it really helps the storytelling i think to uh to envision it especially well the the haunting scenes of uh 
these silhouettes of people in flame in, in a couple of uh, parts of it. And they use the graphic novel approach to show those, uh, those midnight or early morning, uh, you know, executions, phony executions in the embassy. Do they, does this make President Carter look good or bad? I I I, oh, I I've always had respect for him, but I continue certainly. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I think it's a much better uh, view of him behind the scenes because people who think he didn't do anything, and then if yeah. they give credit Reagan credit for getting them out, Carter's the one that did all the work beforehand. Now, I kept on hearing that there was some that some of Reagan's people were passing money onto the Iranians, and that's why they did it on uh, his inauguration day. That yeah, was they the did, rumor for they the longest did, time, but they yeah, don't talk about that. Yeah, no. well, but they do kind of show that that uh, uh, it was just a matter of convenient timing. Yes, uh, that's interesting, but it's so well done and well executed, and the storytelling is compelling. If you think you know the story, you don't, and that's what's so fascinating because there are moments where you're just at the edge of your seat and and it's a documentary and mm-hmm. and it's like seeing it for with fresh eyes so i think uh, it's very important and it i dips. think it does show the military in a in a very good light i mean just how they planned it and how everything mm. how the, the guys had such such high hopes yes a couple of them, though on on say on films going in they said this you wasn't going to work. They knew it was going to go sideways. You know, there was oh, a yeah, very because, good chance well, of it. Yeah. Because, well, yeah, with the desert. But it's it's also just like Argo showed the the uh, communication back then. I mean, now it's so different. You right. Know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I just kept thinking of when President Obama was in the Situation Room for the yeah, Osama watching, bin Laden yeah. and how different that was compared yeah. to this. Yes. I watch it in real time, yeah. Well, you might have noticed that we've not mentioned Bill and Ted face the music. <laughs> they didn't really, they didn't really send that to us. But Lynn, you were going to watch it. I was going to. watch You were going to pay for it, and uh, I was going to pay for it. And I, what I'm going to do is, I was even invited to a watch party for it. What? But what I'm going to do now is. I uh, am going to watch it, and we'll talk about it next week. Okay. But after after I found out Chadwick Boseman died last night, you weren't in the mood for it comedy. Was even like, though even though comedy probably would have made you feel better. I know, and I heard it's what I have heard. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's favor- the, the critics that have seen it are giving it favorable reviews. Has to be better than the second one. So you know. Yeah. Uh, well, I and, will say this: Alex Winter's kids think the second one is better, and also. George Carlin is listed in the credits. I don't know how. I don't know if it's a Rogue One Carrie Fisher kind of thing, or if it's just him waving. He's not in any of the uh, scenes that they have shown us so far, but he is listed in the credits, which makes me a little weird. I'm going to go see Tenant on Monday at the Skyview Theater. So when's it talk? coming out? I thought it's on coming out Monday. It is coming out Monday. They're so, doing previews. Yeah. Some, uh, the AMC and the Marcus Theaters are showing it also on Monday, but I think they're mostly sold out by now. But uh, Skyview in Bellevue is showing it ev- – Belleville – is showing it every day next week starting Monday. Wow. So um, – and I'm going Is to it going to be on both screens Yes, there? it is going to be oh, on good. both screens, but not, not on Monday. Monday they have the other screen for something else, but I believe okay. Tuesday through – after that, it's going to be on both screens. And the screen's going to start at the same time? 8.15. Right? 
Okay, that's good. So it won't be you won't be getting overlap from it because that's that's my problem with it with the the, the drive. It's a little screens are a little too close together. They are, and you can you can and you can change your radio if you don't like the movie you're watching. You can change the radio station and (laughs) and watch the other one. Um, Can uh, let's talk about something really quickly. Um, Lynn, did you watch The Prey? I did not. You did not, Jim. Did you watch The Prey? I don't even know about it. The Prey is an Asian version of the most dangerous game. Okay, uh, I think I heard of this. Yes, we it is. Well, let's just say um, I talked to somebody that would be in the uh, wheelhouse for this. Except it is a foreign film. It is in Mandarin and uh, another. La- it, 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 I think they're in Cambodia. <laughs> I'm not sure, but you don't really need to read the subtitles because it's an action film and this Chinese cop gets arrested while undercover and then is released to go play the most dangerous game where these people pay money to hunt man and they give them like five minutes or like a 30 second head start and then they run in the jungle and it is it is the same story that we've all heard except he's a super cop and so everything is uh, it's okay but it's very What's the word I'm looking for? It's not predictable. Oh, it's very predictable. Oh, okay. It's very predictable, and it's it's very uh, low key for a movie. I mean, I'm sure over in Asia it's going to be a huge hit. Over here, it will be like a cult classic. I'm sure Stockman will see it, and Stockman will love it because Tom likes movies like it's, and it's also very violent. So. Tom Tom would like stuff like that. And also, there's a movie. I thought this was going to be a big thing, but this movie doesn't even have an... It has an IMDb page, but it doesn't have a Wikipedia page. It's called Diary. I know, and it's not anywhere. I was trying to find it because I didn't get access to it, and I was trying to find it in my emails because, like The Prey, I didn't think I did, and then I, I found the invitation, which I obviously ignored. It's yeah. And I'm lumping these two together because they're going to be so under the radar um it's diary d-i-e capital r ride so it's diary uh this instagram model marie clark getting her master's in comparative religion and she's in love with her teacher Uh, teacher's got a rough marriage then her diary is stolen and then all the people that that she had written about in her diary wind up dying and so she needs she and she hasn't gone to the police, but she does hire a private investigator. And Diary doesn't have like anybody in the cast that you know, except for one name, Thomas Q. Jones, who was a football player, but he also was in Straight Outta Compton. He was in he was in Luke Cage also. Oh, really? So hmm. he he's the African American professor that she falls in love, and they the main girl in this, uh, Claudia. Marie Mailer, they found her on Instagram and they just wanted to use her. They said, you must be in a, and she was like doing an internship on some film that the filmmakers are doing and they said, we want to make you a star. Wow. So that still happens. <laughs> Keisha Castle Hughes is in this movie for just like one or two scenes. Oh, I think I did hear this. Yeah. And it is so weird that she, because sh- I looked at it and I was like, 
where's Keisha Kelly? And then I went back. Oh, she's the mom. She's in a flashback scene. Because I went, she's like third listed in the credits. You know, if you're Oscar nominated, you probably get third listed in yeah. a tiny little movie like this. And I'm like, I went back and I, oh my gosh, she's, and she's unrecognizable. She's only in one or two scenes. And it's just very, it's a very quirky little weird film. And it then it changes into something you think you're going along one pace and then it goes totally different direction. I enjoyed watching it. I don't think it's going to be a huge film, but I, I said, you know what? I'm not sorry that I watched diary because it just, for a while it just goes off the cuff crazy. And then a lot of people start dying and you're like, well, there's only, there's only so many suspects cause they've only introduced so many people and then it gets even weirder. So I, I liked it, but I, it, I, I wrote the people that sent me the link and they said, hey, what'd you think of it? And I said, you guys need to get a Wikipedia page immediately because a lot of people go to IMDb, but a lot of people just go to Wikipedia. And the person, the people that made this film, uh, it's Jennifer Gelfer and her writer partner, uh, John Buffalo Mailer. He has done, um, he is an actor, writer. He's he uh, he was in Wall Street Never Sleeps, and he was uh, People Magazine's one of Men on the Verge in 2002. So he is uh, he's an up and comer. He this, he wrote this film, and I think that uh, this is another film that Stockman would love because it it is very indie, and it's very it was it was fun after a while, and Jim. <laughs> It's there's always the thread of something going on that you think it's going to happen, mm-hmm. and then it doesn't happen. So that frustrated me a little bit. Feeling of dread the whole time or ominous. Uh, not, not, and in a good way, not like unhinged, which made me feel claustrophobic because they're trapped in their cars and nothing was happening. <laughs> this mm-hmm. is out in the open. Um, Lynn, did we see you? Did you? Oh, speaking of documentaries, did you see Unfit? They I keep, did. I they, have I have uh, three more movies to talk about wow. that I saw. All right, yeah. go ahead. Well, I just wanted All to talk right. about those two because it was um, it's they've been on my mind. And the Prey came out last week, but I don't think I. It's got a very limited audience. Um, I want to say that Desert One is now showing at the Plaza Frontenac. Plaza Frontenac is open, but the Tivoli is not. Oh, and so, uh, and I think the Science Center is going to show Tenet. Really? Wow. So I just wanted to say that. But on September 4th, which mm-hmm. is Friday, Desert One will be available in all video and cable platforms. Okay. So you can get it through your mm-hmm. provider. Google Play, yeah. Voodoo. Right. All that. All the, I, all the same platforms. iTunes. That it's too long to Direct list. Direct TV. Right, right, right. Trying to list them, and I'm like, it's not worth it. All right, so um, unfit. So unfit, okay. Okay, this is um, a very <laughs> partisan film. <laughs> I know. I was going to say, this isn't going to change anybody's mind, so I really don't know the so audience So is it that good? It's, it's a well-done uh, film. It's called Unfit, The Psychology of Donald Trump, and its angle is the mental health professionals. So you got that for it. Uh, it's uh, done by... But uh, it's from a certain point of view. Right. Dan <laughs> Partland. And it, it, the reason it is from the mental health professionals is uh, they have a 
policy duty to warn. Uh-huh. So it is about his malignant narcissism and the narcissistic personality disorder, and they explain that. But some people like that about him. Yeah, well, <laughs> that they, they do do that. This is I'm an trying to be nonpartisan in the review. Right. Although, well, that's, it's really kind it's of It's hard to do. But it is a film like Shooting Fish in a Barrel. Right, you know? right, yeah. It's analysis like Scaramucci's in it, okay? Yeah. So the, the mooch. mooch. The mooch. <laughs> Malcolm Nance, who's a farmer intelligent thing. Uh, George Conway is uh, one of the talking from the lincoln project and and, and formerly of the lincoln project yeah and rick riley to me is the most entertaining talking head because he's a sports writer Mm -hmm. and he talks about uh, trump he used to have the uh, last page in sports illustrated yeah he's very witty he talks about a playing golf with trump and how trump cheats Cheats, at golf and so he brings everybody cheats at golf and so it's hilarious because of that the beginning is all the greatest hits you know sean spicer coming out at the inauguration and saying we looking at the picture that we're seeing that that's not alternative really facts what we're seeing. Yeah, yeah. so yeah and alternative facts so but what i did like about this film is it gets into the social sociological uh analysis of the trump supporters ah which i thought was really interesting they don't like what he says they like what he does they it's a psychological explanation of his supporters. Okay. And how they felt. Now, this d- director, Dan Portland, he did the series on CNN the 60s. Which okay. Those decade uh, series on CNN. They are show them all the time. Fabulous. They, they can never show the history of comedy, but they can show <laughs> the 60s. I know. They are fabulous. And so I like that. The effect um, on uh, the electorate, on culture, on institutions. So it's really observations from the mental health people. Normally in real life, mental health professionals are not supposed to give diagnosis by people that they don't. That they aren't treating. treating. But in this duty to warn, like the tagline for this movie is science, truth, duty to warn. Mm -hmm. So basically uh, it goes up to March, which is when the COVID-19 outbreak started. So like you both said, it's preaching to the choir. It's streaming on September 1st, digital and cable on demand. It's not going to change anybody's mind. No. It's and. uh it is available on virtual cinema now, but I don't even understand what virtual cinema is. So That means yeah. watching it from home. Yeah. All right. So did you watch you watched the one and only Ivan? Speaking of Disney Plus again. I right. watched it last night. You both watched uh, yes, it. I enjoyed this. I it's not perfect and I yeah. see where it has problems, but I liked this vocal Did cast. You? Well, the the Sam it's based Rockwell. on a, it's based on a book, yeah. and the sequel of the book is the one and only Bobo, which is played by Danny DeVito. Can or you Bob. see? Uh, Bob, 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 that's right, Bob, yeah. not oh, Bobo. Oh, he's a who? Danny DeVito is. Would a they hoot make a sequel the of mutt. this? Yes, yeah, for Disney with Danny Plus. DeVito. Yeah, probably they could. Yeah, and since he just was recording in a studio, and you know. Brian Cranston is your human lead. Yeah, I don't, know, I don't know if he'd come back or not. We'd see. I don't know. It's it's if you have a family to, if you want to sit down and watch something with your family, this is perfect family entertainment, and especially if you like. Um, talking animals it would have done well in the theaters yes if you can suspend your belief in some stuff yeah like well they have a flashback sequence in which cranston 
uh, is setting up photo opportunities with the baby gorilla with no trainer inside. I was like, no, huh. that would not happen. And no. Jim works at a zoo, so he <laughs> yeah. And and also, it is it's a big top mall. He the main attraction, but Sam Rockwell is just charming as this 400 pound silverback gorilla now it is based <laughs> on a true story but it's and the book is based on the true story this is the this is the movie based on the book based on the true story it does get a little heavy-handed about animals in captivity well of course and mike white yes yeah. he yeah. wrote the screenplay and he shows up a nanosecond yeah, I'm wondering, is he the voice of the seal in it also? He is, he yeah, is. Yeah. And uh, Philippe Sue, who played uh, one Mrs. Hamilton, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, one of the Schuyler assistants, uh, she's Eliza. She is the voice of the parrot. And Angelina Jolie is the voice of the Stella. elephant Stella. Now, is she? does she sound like Tigress from uh, the Kung Fu Panda series? Or does she just sound like Angelina Jolie? Just sound like it. Yeah, because it's an old, tired elephant. And then uh, the young elephant, Ruby, who's cute as a button, she is voiced by Brooklyn Prince, who was the kid in In the Florida Florida Project. Project. Yes. Hey, we said it the same. Mm-hmm. I love I love Florida Project. <laughs> yeah, I, I, really good. So and Ron Funches is I love me some Ron Funches. Oh, oh he's yeah, a, he's the rabbit with the, the little mini uh, fire engine. So there's it's and Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan is a is a chicken that uh, plays <laughs> baseball. Yeah. So Mike yeah. White wrote it, has a cameo as a real person, and is a voice in it. Yeah. Yes. I like Mike White. I just want to go on record as saying that. So, and Helen Mirren. And, and speaking of Mike White, right. he was on Survivor. That's right. Yeah, he, he and father, his father. Right? Yeah. Was it was it Survivor or was it the Amazing Race? No, it was. I think it was both. Yeah, was both, yeah. He, both shows? He's, he's big. He's big on that. Yeah, oh he was one God. of the. Yeah, he was. He was yeah. on two seasons of the Amazing Race, was, and then yeah. he was he ran, he was runner up on Survivor. Oh, yeah, really? yeah. He looks like my late brother Michael. Well, for actually. for a while. Uh, Amazing Race would feed into Survivor because of the synergy that oh, CBS was right, doing with their right. and trying to feed off of each. I love the Amazing Race. I I used to watch every episode of and it. And Letterman would have to put up with interviewing the no, Survivor no, no, people no. Yeah. being kicked off. Exactly. And he, they kept them down in Rupert G's deli, so or, he would you know, have to sit next or to them. Or we would have uh, Rupert interview for a while. He was having. Uh, yeah. Stephanie interview them. Yes. Yes. Oh, oh yeah, interview. well. We, we, <laughs> we, we all know how that We won't out. go there. But Mike White, for those of you not familiar with him, he did write the screenplay to School of Rock. Yeah, and he's an actor. And, he, and a director. And Nacho, Buck. Uh, Nacho yeah. Libre. Yeah. And he did Enlightened. He's, I like Mike White. Pretty talented guy. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so it's you know if you're a family and you're looking for nice wholesome entertainment, you cannot go wrong with this. I'm not going to have it on any top ten list, and I'm not going to watch it again. But <laughs> I was surprised at how I enjoyed the work that was put into it, and so therefore that's my review of that. And Cranston plays kind of a vain character. One sequence, <laughs> he's wearing a girdle. It's hysterical. <laughs> And the toupee. And the All right. Toupee. Yeah. The toupee. He's got the facial yeah. mask on. Now, right. a cult classic. I think this is destined to be a cult classic. Uh-oh. It's called Get Duped, and it's on Amazon. And okay. if you're looking for something totally goofy, totally bizarre, I would recommend this. It is uh, – this was made a while ago. This was at the South by Southwest last year, and it won the Audience Awards for Midnight. Mm-hmm. That's why I say destined to be a cult classic. This – 
has Eddie Izzard when you're talking about. I love Eddie Izzard. I know I do too. When you're talking about. Is he about, in male clothes or female clothes? This he's time? in male clothes, but it's a weird part. He looks like Prince Philip. Okay, so okay. the Duke of Edinburgh, which is Prince Philip, mm -hmm. uh, he gives an award out in England to school children about outdoor education. So there's these three hooligans who are just dumb as a bunch of rocks. <laughs> and they, they just do goofy stuff at school, and they're, they almost get expelled, but they have to go get this thing. So they just think they're going to have a couple days of hijinks, and the one is a budding hip-hop star, and he wears yeah. all white. In England, it was called Boys in the Wood. Yeah, and and he, and they filmed it in Scotland, so you really need to put on your clothes caption uh -huh. uh, when you're watching this. Yeah. <laughs> He has he has the wrong shoes, so he's oh. just totally. Uh, it's just they're totally inept and ill prepared for being out in the woods. And their teacher drops them off and gives them a map. But they are also joined by a homeschooled kid that uh, whose parents want him to have this experience. So so it's at first it's awkward because you got the three hooligans and then you got the goody two shoes, straight arrow. Uh, homeschooled kid, mm -hmm. and then everything goes from bad to worse, and it has the most bizarre things. They're out in this remote, oh, the Scottish Highlands. Yeah. So they're out in this remote part, and they come across hippie-type farmers. Uh, and then it then becomes a movie like The Prey. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, they give them rabbit turds to what? eat. They say they're magical, like oh. mushrooms. Well, like like, like they're hallucinogenic. That's not true. Turds. Okay. So it's hilarious because the guy who directed this, I'm going to get the name wrong, it's Ninian Doff. He is known for music videos. Okay. And so he takes this hallucinogenic storyline and he makes their heads pop and he does all this really goofy stuff through the movie. So it's very clever. It's just like it has... All these things that you can't even imagine are in this. It's a comedy in the vein of just totally dark black comedy. And then it has elements of horror in oh, it. Comedy horror. So Eddie Izzard and this woman are hunting down the kids. Uh, they have generational issues with them. They're culling the herd. Oh, good. So, so you have the kids trying to escape from this madman. And then uh, their teach, I, I, it's just, you have to watch it to believe it because I can't spoil it. It's on anything. Amazon, right? Yeah, it's on Amazon. But if you just want to see something really goofy, it is, uh, and you will laugh out loud. And this I is another movie that a year ago in March was at South by Southwest. Right. So, so yeah, so uh, Amazon obviously bought it. Yeah. And it's just. We it, need content, damn it. Yeah. And then the last documentary, which is a Netflix, is called Rising Phoenix, and it premiered Wednesday on Netflix. I will say I had a, I got a link to it, but then I just watched it on Netflix. <laughs> so um, it's hard to find. You have to do the search, Rising mm -hmm. Phoenix. It is fascinating it is about the international paralympic games okay and it takes these athletes and their stories are some of them are great unbelievable and it talk it so it shows the london 2012 olympics uh, it has a lot of that but then it also goes to rio and then it also shows Beijing, where it got more notice. They do have Oscar Pistorius in it. Oh. And, uh, before or after? Yeah, before. 
Okay. Obviously, because he wasn't competing after. And uh, but the 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 athletes, both female and male, their stories are so compelling. And then the guy who founded the Paralympics Olympics is a, a escape from the Nazis. What? Wow. Yeah. So I highly recommend this, especially because we're not having the Olympics this year. Mm-hmm. We might not have them next year. This is uh, this is as good as any sports documentary you're ever going to see. All right. So that's my content this wow, week. Wow, you saw a lot. I did, and I didn't even get to everything. I haven't even saw, seen uh, Coop 53, and I do have the link to Mulan, which we'll talk about next week. No, no, it comes out on the 4th, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah that is yeah, next week. Yeah. And that you is can, next week. That's but, but you know what? Weekend. If you don't want to pay the $30 and you are content to wait for Mulan, it's going to be on Disney Plus December 1st. Oh. So, well, when I was at the Esquire, the, the poster for it was still in the hallway. So I wonder if it's going to get a theatrical release on top of it. Either, or either way. Yeah. I don't. I cannot answer that question yeah. for this you. This is the weirdest year yes. ever. Yeah. And or just in my lifetime, I'm, it might not be the weirdest year ever. But next weekend is Labor Day. Now, uh, we don't have much going on. We've already seen the DVDs that are out. Burn mm-hmm. Heresy, Yes, God, Yes. Irresistible comes out September 1st. So if you don't have streaming services, but you do still rent at Redbox and Family Video, these are available. All right. Well, Jim, thank you for coming in. Yes. Uh, Thank you for having me. And before we go away, I'll wish my mother a happy birthday. Well, happy birthday birthday to Mrs. Batts. And if you've not seen the uh, Ren and Stimpy documentary, it's still available as a video on demand. Uh, I have issues with the Ren and Stimpy. Oh, you saw it. No, I didn't see it. No, they did send it to me. And? She hasn't watched it. Happy happy I've been watching like eight movies a I week. know, I know. Uh, Jim, where can we find you online? Uh, at wearemoviegeeks.com. Lynn, online. <sighs> KTRS, <laughs> every Thursday night with Ray in St. Louis in the know. Uh, about 10.30. Sometimes they start early. And then uh, I am. I have my own website, poplifestl.com. And then I am in the Webster Kirkwood Times online, which I have exciting news. Yes. Uh, Kent Tenshirt. Yes. My colleague in yes. real world yeah. and a couple of his colleagues are purchasing the paper from really? former publisher Dwight Bitikoff. And uh, they are hoping to put out a print publication. But that's go- the takeover is going to be in September. They announced it online. If you can go to WebsterKirkwoodTimes.com, you will see the story. That they wrote about themselves. Yes. <laughs> and then next week, the uh, according to Kent, who tipped me off, uh, the deal is going to be finalized next week. So I'm so excited because they will continue to pay you. Yeah, that would be good. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that would be good. So now Kent's going to be my boss, which is kind of weird. Asking for a raise. Yeah, which is very strange. And I do features there too. Oh, I want to mention I am on uh, the golden anniversaries. I did Husbands. the movie Husbands. So if you want to hear me talk about feminism and toxic masculinity uh i am on the cinema st louis youtube channel now so my awesome. show from monday and our colleague diane carson is going to talk about bernardo bertolucci's the ah. conformist this monday excellent my name is carl middleman you can find me on instagram and twitter at underscore carl the intern and you can hear me on the intercom family of radio stations i was on 97.1 every day this week it was very fun. Um, thank you very much. Well, yeah, it, it was an interesting week to be on that station. All right. Thank you very much. And thanks for listening. Bye.